that God has designed divine compensation in all your tribulation? Did you know that all of the places that you have experienced pain in your life, that pain has been ordained by God to train you for greatness? I want to invite you to a very special Day of Destiny teaching on the power of Passover. I believe this is not only your day of destiny, but that you are about to enter into a supernatural season of divine reversals and breakthrough in your life. Join me today. But before we do this, I want to invite you to our Day of Destiny website where you can order any of the past teachings on the podcast. And especially, I'd like to invite you to order my book, my latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Beloved, I believe that after 42 years of ministry and being under the influence of Catherine Coleman's ministry as a young girl, in the 1970s and growing up in God under some of the greatest leaders of the charismatic renewal and the movement of the charismatic outpouring of the Holy Spirit. As one who personally experienced conversion under the Jesus movement, I believe receive secrets of the anointing in your life. I will also share with you how I smuggled Bibles into China with many others who we took to China with us on our first missionary trip to China. So many other wonderful secrets of the anointing that I want to share with you. You can go to our website, Day of Destiny. And there you can order all of our products and especially Secrets of the Anointing. Now, beloved saints, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral and I want to welcome you today to this teaching on the Passover promises of God. First of all, beloved saints, I want you to understand the messianic mysteries of Passover. Every single biblical feast is a feast that reveals the power of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that Jesus and the cross, the cross of Calvary is the greatest principal message in the entire Bible. Some of you may say, well, the cross didn't begin until the New Testament. But I want you to know, beloved, the cross was God's plan of salvation. We even see God's plan of salvation hidden in creation. You say, Dr. Corral, God's plan of salvation hidden in creation? And the answer to that is yes. On the third day of creation, we see on that third day, Genesis chapter 1 verses 11 and 12 tells us, and the earth brought forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the tree. You see, the tree was created on the third day. 
The tree represents the cross. We know that throughout the scripture, the tree is a spiritual symbol of the cross of Calvary. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Hallelujah. As it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So we see the tree is spiritually synonymous with the cross. But we also see that the third day is also spiritually synonymous with the resurrection. Why would the tree be created on the third day? Now, please remember something. If we make an analytical synopsis of the scriptures and we do a survey, we would ask the question, how could the tree be created before the sun and the moon? Doesn't all life on earth exist biologically by the sun? And the answer to that is, of course, all vegetation, all plants, everything in this earth, if the sun were not here, would cease to exist. So how could God have created the tree on the day before the sun was created? Because you see a messianic mystery even hidden in the creation story. Because the Bible teaches us if we were to look at the creation story and not only at the creation story, but in every book of the Bible, we see God's message of Calvary, Calvary's cross. And so we see hidden and inscribed in creation, God's message of salvation, which is the cross of Calvary. Now, beloved saints, the question arises, why is the cross before the sun and before time? Because the sun and the moon were created on the fourth day of creation. Therefore, we know time was also created then because the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 verse 14, when God created the lights in the heavens, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. And we understand that to be the sun and the moon. And we know we get our time on earth calculated by the sun and the moon. Years are calculated by the sun. Every time the earth revolves around the sun, it is a year. And every time the moon revolves around the earth, it is a 24-hour period. That's why the Bible says that these were created for signs and for seasons, for days and for years, for time to be calculated. So how could it be that before time, the tree was created on the third day. Because you see, beloved, God created this world with mercy in mind, knowing that you and I would be sinners born with the sin of Adam. And had it not been 
for the cross of Calvary, we who were slaves to sin would still be involved in sin. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, because of the cross, we have been born again. Now, beloved, you say, Dr. Corral, well, how in the world can a believer celebrate Passover. I want you to understand that Passover and that every book of the Bible reveals the messianic mysteries of the Son of God who became man and died on the cross. I want you to understand that there is a Calvary code in every book of the Bible. And one of the books where we see the return of our loss through the power of the cross most explicitly accentuated is the book of Exodus. And we see hidden here in the book of Exodus, the blood of the lamb. I want you to see here in Exodus chapter 12 so that we can begin to claim the Passover promises that God has ordained for us who are also believers that this lamb, that the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, enables us to fully experience the power of Passover in our own lives. Now, we must understand we have been made partakers of the promises with Israel. I want you to understand the church does not replace Israel, but we have been made partakers together according to to Ephesians 2 verses 11 through 13. And the Bible teaches us this very carefully. Let me read it to you just in case there is anyone that is a tad uncomfortable with, uh, with the perhaps lack of understanding that we have been made partakers with Israel, not in the place of Israel, but with Israel concerning the promises of inheritance and concerning the promises that are given during the biblical feasts. Let's look at the word of God because I don't want you to miss your miraculous moment with destiny coming up this Passover. I am praying you will break out of the bondage of your Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is a word in the Hebrew language that is a concept. That is a concept on the definition of Egypt. You see, Every Hebrew word has a concept behind it. So we must understand that Egypt is not just a country in Northern Africa, but that Egypt by concept is defined by the word in Hebrew for the word Egypt. It is the word Mitzrayim and hidden in that word is the word sar. And this word sar means narrow, or it can mean wound. It can mean adversary, opponent. It can mean sore, depression. It can mean oppression. It can mean anything the enemy is placing upon you, but particularly a narrow place. May 
limits are, a very narrow place that you can't break out of. A place of bondage is a narrow place, a place of restrictions. And today God is removing the restrictions and God has called us to leave the limitations of Egypt. And let us look and see what Paul says about the church inheriting the blessings along with Israel. The Bible says, remember, not in the place of Israel, but with Israel. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, wherefore, remember, in times past, you were Gentiles. Oh my, that means our spiritual status has changed. Looking at the cross, we continue to see the promises, which I call the blood bought promises of Calvary's cross. We see here, verse 12, that at that time, what time? Before Christ, we had the spiritual status of Gentiles. But now we see what the scripture is teaching us in Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible says, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens. What does that word mean? Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Let me explain it. In concept, a person who is a Gentile, a goy, someone who is a Gentile is considered a stranger, an alien, a foreigner. At that time, you were without Christ, being aliens spiritual status of Gentiles. What does that mean? That means that you had no access whatsoever to the promises that God gave to Israel as the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. At that time, you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants, plural, of promise. But now uh, you were without hope, rather, without God, without hope in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were afar off, meaning we were distanced, we had no destiny, we had no place of promise in the inheritance of Israel, but now are made nigh, made nigh to what? Nigh to what the text has told us in the context. Made nigh to the promises that God has given Israel, which are also ours now through Christ. Now, beloved saints, I want you to know this does not mean the church by any mean, any way, shape, or form can ever replace Israel. But I want you to know that we have now become partakers of the promises that God gave Abraham, the promises of land, the promises of seed, the promises of blessing because of Christ. And the Bible tells us, you who were far off are made nigh now through the blood of Christ. 
And the scripture continues in context in verse 19. Watch it closely of Ephesians 2. The Bible says, now, therefore, you are no more strangers. What does that mean? Not a stranger like somebody who's a stranger who you don't know. Stranger in the sense of goy. Stranger in the sense of Gentile. Because the word Gentile is the same word as nations. It is the same word as foreigner in Hebrew or stranger. You are now no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. You, you might say, well, Dr. Corral, I thought only the saints were in the New Testament. Well, we need to reevaluate the scripture because the Bible tells us that the Lord, precious in the sight of the Lord, is the death of of his saints in Psalm 116. We also know the Bible says that the Bible refers to Moses as his saint and Aaron as his saint. So we must understand this word saints is not something only coined in the New Testament. This is a word to those that belong to him. And so now beloved saints, we see here, look at the word of God. Now you are therefore no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. Looking at Ephesians chapter three, looking beloved saints at verse six, the Bible says of chapter three, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise by Christ in the gospel. Now, beloved saints, what does all this mean? This means, child of God, you are able to receive the promises that God has given to his people at Passover. This means that the Passover promises of God are already yours by inheritance. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 29, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now someone may get really technical and say, well, Dr. Corral, Passover begins in Exodus and Abraham is in the first book of the Bible hundreds of years before the Exodus. And my beloved friends, I will tell you that the Exodus actually began at the time God spoke to Abraham. The Bible tells us in Abraham, excuse me, in Genesis chapter 15, God made a promise to Abraham when the covenant between the parts was established. And as Abraham went to sleep after God established his covenant with him, the last thing Abraham saw in his eyes before he fell asleep was a smoking furnace that came up as if it were from the sacrifice that he had just offered to God. 
And the Bible says when he fell asleep, he had a dream and a great, the Bible says a great darkness came over him in his sleep. And God spoke to him and said in verse 13 of Genesis 15, know of surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they shall afflict them 400 years, and they shall serve them. And the nation whom they shall serve, I shall judge, and they shall come forth with great substance. What does this mean? Before there was ever one descendant, even before Isaac was born, God already gave the Passover promise to Abraham. This is why throughout the book of Exodus, God introduces himself to Moses as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. We see this repeated over and over again in Exodus chapters one through six, we see that God is revealing himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he will remember his promises that he gave to the forefathers, the promises that their seed would come out of Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim, not just Egypt, but Mitzrayim, because you see, Mitzrayim is more than just coming out of Egypt. Coming out of Egypt is just a day of deliverance, not just, but the greatest day of freedom that Israel ever experienced. The day of freedom, the national day that God broke the bondage of slavery, the day God reversed the curse, the day God brought them out from under the control, the manipulation and the domination of Pharaoh. I want you to understand this, but Mitzrayim is much more than just physical deliverance. Deliverance from Mitzrayim is also spiritual deliverance. You see, you can leave Egypt, but God wants Egypt to leave you. And you and I must see that when we possess the promises of Passover in our lives. We are not only free from the outward signs of Passover, which are the signs of limitation and restrictions, the, the signs of whatever type of what we say in Hebrew, a votaparic. A votaparic is the type of labor that was forced upon the B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, while they were in Egypt. And the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 1 verse 11, and therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pitom and Ramses. And the Bible goes on to tell us, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. It was supernatural growth. So God was bringing supernatural multiplication in the midst of a time of the nation's greatest tribulation. And that's what God does for you. You see, the Passover promise that God wants to give you 
is supernatural multiplication in the time of your tribulation. You see, it's impossible to be multiplied in a time of tribulation. It's a it very impossible when you're in distress, when you are being afflicted, when you are being persecuted, when you are being cast down, when it seems as if there's no way out and you have no hope. God wants you to know the Passover promise for you that was purchased on the cross of Calvary through the blood of Jesus is that you will experience supernatural multiplication in the midst of all your tribulation. The Bible says, the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And verse 13 teaches us, beloved saints, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel their lives bitter with hard bondage, both in all manner of service in the field and in all manner of the brick, the Bible says that whatever work was imposed upon them, it was with rigor. That word rigor does not mean elbow grease. That word rigor is a word parak, which means to break apart. This means, first of all, when we see the meaning of fragmentation, breaking apart, peric, avoda, peric, work that breaks apart. What does this mean? The psychological implications of the control, manipulation of Pharaoh, his domination, his cruelty, the culture of cruelty, the culture of dehumanization, and all of the tremendous times of belittling and the degrading that we see was placed in the culture and inculcated upon the people of God. We must understand, dear people of God, that this caused them to break apart. But we also want to see that there was a a crafty design that Pharaoh had in subjugating the children of Israel. There was not only physical subjugation, but the slavery narrative speaks very clear to us in Exodus chapter one, that there was also a strong agenda of psychological subjugation. He planned it from the very beginning to psychologically traumatize, immobilize, and bring the people down so they would never fight because once you lose your fight, you lose your identity, you lose your fight and you stay stuck. You can't get out. You think this is who you are. You have now created a new identity in the painful place. But God wants you to know that your identity is not the identity that comes from Pharaoh. Neither does it come from a culture that has brought you down to a place that refuses to recognize who you are. The Bible says there arose a new king over Egypt that knew not Joseph. This doesn't mean he didn't know who Joseph was. This means he refused to recognize the greatness of the people of Joseph. And the Bible says that Pharaoh said, come now, let us prepare a plan. He spoke to the people and said, let us now therefore deal wisely with them. 
Make a plan. Makshav. Let us make a plan. Lest they fight together with our enemies and join together with them and fight against us and get them up out of the land. You see, Pharaoh didn't want them to ever go up. Pharaoh wanted them to stay down. So now the question arises, what situation in your life is Pharaoh-like? What situation in your life wants to pull you down to the place that you feel you can never get back up again? What lying demonic spirit has kept you in a place that has made you feel like you cannot accomplish anything? I want you to know one of the forms of brainwashing into this bondage that Pharaoh used was that he cleverly devised tactical programs that would cause the children of Israel to feel so belittled that what they did, even as slaves, would break apart and then they would get the taskmaster's whip. This is why the Bible tells us parrot. It uses this word, everything they did, whether all manner of brick service in the field or in the brick was done with Peric. I want you to understand this peric is not only the psychological fragmentation of the human spirit when the human being is so belittled and dehumanized, but we must also understand that this was a tactic to pull them down into a place of such pain that they began to change their identities in their own mind. They began to identify as slaves. They began to take on the identity as a slave that could never break out of this place of Mitzrayim. This is why, dear people of God, Pharaoh set it up that whatever they built would fall apart, that whatever they constructed would fall apart. This is why he cleverly devised that Petom and Ramses be built in the marshlands, the marshlands of the Nile Delta. That is because they would begin to fall apart when they were built. They couldn't sturdily stand such as the pyramids in Giza, as you see in another part of Egypt, which are built in the desert plain. No, Pharaoh commanded that they be built in Petom and Ramses in the Nile Delta so that what was built would fall apart because this was the Avoda Peric imposed upon the people so that they would become so disheartened even from slave labor that they would feel that they could accomplish nothing. Is this what the devil has done to you? Has he made you feel as if you have no purpose in life? But I want you to know, you don't have to stay stuck in Mitzrayim. You can come out of Mitzrayim. Why? Because Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, 6 through 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the feast, not with the bread of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now, beloved saints, I want you to know that everything that night of Passover had to prophetically parallel Calvary. God already had the plan in place before the foundation of the world that Jesus Christ would be the lamb slain 
before the foundation of the world. I call this blood evidence. You see, the scripture gives us testimonial evidence and physical evidence. The physical evidence is laid out for us in the form of blood evidence. Why? Because we see that everything in the scripture is by divine design. It is written not by man, but by God. And so we see that God planned that on the 14th day of the first month, that all of Israel would slay the Passover. And the Bible says in the evening, in verse six, last line. But in the King James, it says in the evening. But if you look at it in the Hebrew, it is not in the evening. They did not slay the Passover lamb at 6 p.m. They did not slay the Passover lamb when it was night. No, this is a word in Hebrew in Exodus 12 verse 6 that is difficult to translate by concept in English. It is the word between the evenings. What does it mean that the Passover was slain between the evenings? The only way to find that out is to go back to historical documentation in the first century that gives us accurate information with temple literature that shows us from temple literature what the particular meaning of between the evenings means. And we see from various documentation of Hebrew sources that the Bible tells us the first evening was at the sixth hour. The sixth hour in Roman time is 12 p.m. Our time, which is 12 noon. And the last evening is the 12th hour. And the 12th hour is 6 p.m. Our time, which is the 12th hour is 6 p.m. our time, taken from the Roman time table. So between the evenings is the ninth hour. The ninth hour translated from Roman times to our time is 3 p.m. You see what was laid out in Exodus chapter 12, verse 6 lines up perfectly with Mark's gospel. Mark tells us that Jesus gave up the ghost. He said it is finished at the ninth hour between the evenings. Beloved saints, today I believe the bondage is broken over your life through the blood of the lamb. And this very moment you are hearing this message, God is striking and shattering strongholds. This is why God commanded Israel to take the hyssop and dip it in the blood of the lamb and strike the doorpost. Hyssop was a special plant that had a stem that was like a branch, which had floppy type 
branches. And when it went into the blood and came out, it would make streaks or stripes on the door. Today, I want you to know that when he sees the blood, he will pass over you and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you. That tonight you're coming out of Mitzrayim. Today, your Mitzrayim is broken, whether it's emotional Mitzrayim, spiritual Mitzrayim, or even financial Mitzrayim, you are coming out through the blood of the Lamb. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today on our teaching, Day of Destiny. You can become a partner with us in our Hesed Worldwide Ministry to the Poor. Global initiatives, feeding children in the Philippines, in India, taking care of the persecuted church in Pakistan with the Dr. Michelle Sewing School for Christian believers that need to find employment in order to not become a domestic worker and thus putting themselves at risk for all types of abuses in the land of Pakistan. You today can help us with our orphanage in Egypt. You can be part of feeding children, putting water wells in the third world country. In order to find out more about our Hesed program, breathofthespirit.org. You can do this also by texting to give. You can text today. Text Hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, and text it to 77977. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you very soon.